2: Game of Thrones 2, Electric Bookaloo. I'm Anthony. This week, I include my full conversation with Podcastica's Jason Kabasi. If you are a Cocoons of Horror listener, you probably already heard this interview. Although, I've looked at the numbers, and several thousand people have not yet heard this interview. So that'll be at the end of this podcast. Before I get to Jason... Steve and I talk about Stormborn. This is the second episode of Season 7. Sam cures Jorah of Grayscale. Jon decides to go south, leaving Sansa as regent. Kyburn unveils the scorpion. And Grey Worm and Missandei finally hook up. Here is comic Steve Osborne. Steve Hot Pie is back.
1: Hot Pie is back, and he is not on a gluten-free diet. No, he's not.
2: You gotta brown that butter, Steve. He may be a gluten
1: specific diet, (laughs) is uh
2: I just it just warmed my heart, man. It warmed my heart to see hot pie back.
1: No, yeah, I mean there's no there's no objection here. Bring me some hot pie. Uh
2: I thought that was actually quite a nice scene, and it made me think it did so much, actually. That scene actually did quite a bit of work, besides just the nostalgia of having Hot Pie back. Right. And, you know, he's, it's nice to know that he really still does care about the work, right?
1: Cares about the work.
2: Because a lot of people, they'll chase their dreams, and then when they start getting paid to do their dreams,
1: it kind of be, just becomes a grind, <laughs> You would, right? do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life. Hot <laughs> Pie. Mm.
2: It ties up several storylines. It reminds the, the audience what happened to the phrase. Brienne gets mentioned, so there's a callback there. Yeah, uh, you have some mention of Cersei, and then Arya finds out about the Boltons,
1: right? Yeah. So the okay. so the re- the potential redirection, right? I mean, that's
2: so in like a very short space, you kind of get this Arya caught up on all of the politics in Westeros that she's missed.
1: And it reminds the audience. And it reminds the audience. This is a real good example of of proper exposition done well, right?
2: Right. So, given that we had all this, you know, we had the nostalgic reunion, we had the laugh, we had Arya meet someone who doesn't want to murder anyone. It just really kind of makes that Ed Sheeran stuff Mm -hmm. seem... Oh, so gratuitous because yeah, yeah, yeah. because
1: all of that could have been done in this. In fact, it kind of was done in this.
2: It was done, and you didn't need it, and it took you out. And I and the beauty of this is that it
1: costs less than Ed Sheeran. Sure, and and so and what's great about it is that you you get all of the whatever you tried to achieve in that last that last Ed Sheeran scene you you've got this and then some in in, in, an, in an economy of time with a character that already existed and it grounds aria and it also reminds what's nice about this scene is it reminds you a little bit that aria is not just a death machine right, right 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 you know that she it it brings you back to aria so i think that's helpful for her character because you could start to pull back from aria because even as she's starting to get revenge against people that have wronged her mm-hmm. family you can get turned off by the by the violence and and the uh the single-mindedness of right. revenge. So and to also see her, gives you a yeah. very sort of
2: it literalizes this metaphor of identity because she has to make this choice, do I go south and cross a name off my list or to, do I go north and have this family reunion with John? Right, which could in some ways mean that that's where I'm going to stay. Right, right. And she decides to go north.
1: And so that's so, all of, all of that's great and none of it had Ed Sheeran in it. <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, so you almost get this sense that, like, oh, there's hope. Like, she's not just a death machine. Right. Uh, Now, when Bruno
1: Mars shows up, (laughs) I'm questioning whether or not I'm going to get on board with that. (laughs)
2: Um, And then Arya has this reunion with her old wolf. Right. Um, And I really... Okay, this was the only scene in the show... Where I really felt like they made the dire wolf look like this, you know, otherworldly beast. I I felt like in all of these
1: other shit, they just they look like regular sized wolves.
2: They just look like regular wolves. And then you, I saw this and I thought, that's what they should have been doing the whole time. That's what they're supposed to look like, right? So I was I was pleased with that scene, and I did like the callback to when she tells her father, "That's not me." She okay, so like season one he says, You're gonna be a lady and you're gonna run a big house and you're gonna have a castle and she tells her dad, That's not me. And I think what she's saying there is, you know, don't don't try to tame me. Mm. Um, I'm not I, I don't fit the gender role that you think that I fit. And then the the wolf leaves Seemingly, like no, I'm not going to be domesticated, right? And she says, "That's not you." Oh, that's great. So I love, I love that parallel there. That was really, really well done. I thought. Uh, and no Ed Sheeran in that scene either.
1: As far as we know, <laughs> we don't. I don't. He. May, I think he may have <laughs> actually we'll start been
2: singing with, with <laughs> Sharon's voice.
1: I think Ed Sheeran was uh, we I, it, he was the on all fours. They just CGI'd the the wolf over him.
2: We saw the death of the sand snakes, or at least two of the three. I think.
1: Did we get all three? Because I know we saw two—one hanging and one sort of.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think we saw two of the three die.
1: And let me just say, <laughs> oh man, that makes up for a lot of Ed Sheeran.
2: That oh my gosh, that scene with Euron like coming down the that plank that low lowering this is plank. this has
1: got to be everything for you man i mean it's, oh, it's got to be
2: i've been waiting the entire show for this man but,
1: you, but it's got to be conflicting because also you're watching ships burn so this has got to be
2: yeah i don't like the best that. of times
1: and the worst of times for you so here's where so here's where it's an interesting uh you know take a step back for a second and it's like i'm like all right i was i was okay with the first episode i know it had a little slowness and there was that mm-hmm. churn but this one was like i was this episode was fantastic
2: Non-stop. great! I loved. You know what? Euron just knows how to make an entrance. Th- this guy, he has not been on this show for very long, but when he like smashes into Yara's ship, yeah, thinking, "Oh hell yes!"
1: Yeah, that was pretty rad. I mean, that that was cool. the The battle scene, like, and just that the that tension of of oh man, this this complicates everything because I mean, Tyrion had this great plan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, and you had Lady Olenna talking about, you know, be a dragon, this or that. And there was this whole, all this stuff is sort of building up. And then you see this plan kind of, and the, immediately the plan starts to fall apart. Right. Yeah. And, and what's right. fascinating is that it's like, you know, the Lannisters don't have a lot of allies right now, but they had one good ally in the right spot at the right time.
2: That's right. That's right that's That's exactly right, and it it kind of shows you how quickly things can turn, you know, because Danny just looks like she just looks unstoppable, right, she's like a juggernaut, and then it's like all of a sudden she's fighting with one arm behind her back, yeah, so <clears throat> anyway that was that was a wonderful scene, and it did confirm to me that don't bring a whip to a sword fight,
1: no, sense. that's all I kept saying. Whips suck. I mean, unless you're Indiana Jones. A whip is your secondary weapon: sword in one hand, whip in the other. Not all whip all the time. <laughs> yeah. So that's so that was like that was easy. And and watching the elimination of the Sand Snakes, because the thing is, is that whole scene with Yara mm-hmm. and uh, what's her butt from Dorne is, you know, it goes on for so long, and you're just like, and it was, and it was so. Boring. I'm like God. It does you, you, you can take the woman out of Dorn, but you can't take Dorn out of the woman. This Dorn somehow <laughs> you put Dorn on a ship, and now that ship is boring. I
2: <laughs> will uh, tell you what, man. When Theon jumped overboard. Oh boy, that guy sure knows how to jump, man. He's had a few like important jumping yeah. scenes.
1: Great. I really that that uh, that was probably one of the more discussed moments i think of that episode afterwards between heather and i just oh, yeah that...
2: tell me tell me that give me a little synopsis
1: well just the whole idea of like because i'm like is this what what you know did he did he flee i don't get the sense that he just i didn't get the sense that he was just gonna bail and she's like oh i don't think he bailed i think that this is a bigger picture he knew that if he goes forward it's probably certain death whereas now he may at least have an opportunity to 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 help Uh, Because he knows who and where Mm -hmm. and all these different things, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So it just became it was it was an interesting take because they So What is your take now? Um, I'm not exactly. I I I still wasn't sure.
2: I see. I think that you can take you can take reek the name reek off the person, but you can't take reek out of
1: yeah. So there was definitely an element of that, right? Like I don't, you know, I don't want to. But the thing is, the thing about reek. Is he's a servant?
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: So it's an. In- so I feel like Theon jumps, reeks, stays, oddly enough.
2: Huh? Huh? I think that he just got. Sc- I mean, like, Euron is just. Euron is just so scary. Yeah, he's like the scariest guy around, and I think that that. Kind he,
1: of- you thought it was just like a, it was a Ramsey.
2: Yeah, kind of, I think he just—he just feels like I'm—I'm out of here. I, I, yeah, I've done this before. I've done this before. I am way out of here. Um, I don't know. There's something about that that felt like truer to his nature than, you know, him actually fighting and.
1: No, yeah, and I and I and I think that was good. I think it was the right thing because I was like, well, this could be a moment. Like that felt like here's that die for your sister redemption or something. And I'm like, I'm not, and I'm glad they didn't because then I, yeah. then I would have felt, it would have felt a little contrived. So the jump made more, uh, more sense from a character perspective.
2: Yeah. All right. I could watch little finger get choked. Oh, that was awesome.
1: <laughs> I just,
2: I love that John has not said two words to this guy, but he already knows he hates his guys. Oh man. That
1: was great. That was so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely up John even further. Um, I liked. I really liked the idea that we see. So so John and and Danny are obviously on a collision course of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of parallels. Uh, you know, one reborn by fire, run re- reborn in the ice, uh, uh-huh. even though it was through the Lord of Lights. Whatever, but regardless, uh, location. Um, and and they're sort of that. You know, one is a reluctant leader. The other one is a. They believe that she believes it's you know destiny ironically they're related um but you see there's also this parallel trajectory of little finger and varus because i think the last time we saw them mm. together we really saw uh you know varus has his intent which is peace and for, you know and, and yeah. that was echoed and then little is, is power and he believes that there's no such thing as this this is all ruse even your you don't believe this you know altruistically you just couldn't um and so now we and then so they each have an interaction with mm-hmm. with the the counterparts right the john and, and danny and danny was just much more like give me i don't have any reason why i should trust you you would have had me killed mm-hmm. and he's you know and he, but he's there, there's a lot of honesty back and forth like a ton of honesty between them and mm-hmm. then she shows him mercy and, and gives him a threat because i think there is a sense of like look i mean you do seem like you're valuable, but you also seem untrustworthy.
2: Well, he, I mean, he says, I'm not, I, clearly he's more loyal to to what he perceives as the, the well-being of the people right? than he is to her cult of personality,
1: mm-hmm. which kind of makes him unique. Because everybody else is bought into her.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: And then on the flip side, you have Littlefinger just peppering John with with information uh-huh. and, and his, and his so-called intentions. And John just doesn't want any of it. And so I love that comparison of how those two characters are being viewed, not entirely trusted one mm-hmm. l- way less so than the other, but the one has value where, and then so where Danny is like, all right, I will let you live because you have value. So, so to speak. And then on the flip side, little is like, Hey, you need to recognize my value. like basically, th- thank you. you should be mm-hmm. thanking me. Mm-hmm. very much reminding me of the wolf uh, and um Vincent Vega no mm-hmm. and Vincent Vega.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, sure yeah. please would be nice <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh and so so I really I, I like those. Watching that dynamic because I think the little finger varus dynamic is an underrated one and since we haven't seen it together for a while it's nice to see the sort of the juxtaposition uh, of, of and they're both right there right I mean they're yeah. both right alongside these these leaders that could you know change the course of, of of rule for a while
2: there are very few scenes where I have to actually watch through my fingers Steve mm-hmm this scene of Jorah's skin condition getting cut off—yeah,
1: you and Heather both, man. I—I I, it didn't bother me even a little.
2: Really? bit. Really, I mean, just
1: oh man,
2: the 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 immediate pus that comes out, and then just his the way he plays it.
1: Oh, he plays it. The, the acting is great.
2: I—I I mean, I honestly, I was—I've I, seen people get beheaded and tortured, and you know how they're flayed dismembered that scene really got me hmm uh i don't know man i don't know what it was it was well shot i'll tell you that much
1: yeah really well done i was all concerned that a piece was going to splatter onto sam
2: well okay so he's wearing gloves right no face shield (laughs) (laughs) yeah no they haven't i guess he could like put on a helmet yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, you know, helmet up, bro. So, okay. So, yeah. So, Jorah's
1: seemingly going to be
2: healed, I would imagine. Right? And the
1: reason he's doing this is because of of the, just the Mormont name.
2: Yeah, I think Jor Mormont holds a place in his heart. I've, the way I read it was... I wasn't strong enough to help your dad, but I could help his son.
1: Yeah, I, I could see or that. Or
2: Maybe it's just like a pride thing. Like, here's something that I think I can do.
1: Yeah, I think it's also like, hey, man, I've been cleaning diarrhea and making soup. I gotta. <laughs> I've been here for a while. I'm ready. I can't go back home and tell Gilly about another day of, of mm-hmm. just of spooning diarrhea. I gotta. I gotta say, hey, oh, I, I cured someone
2: with grayscale today, Gilly. You know. It makes me like the montage scene last episode even better because one thing that you can do with a montage is that you can... It's kind of shorthand for the passage of time. hmm And so you do get a sense that Sam's been there for a while. Yeah. Whereas the amount of time he's been on screen since he, you know, made it to Old Town... It could just be like you just got here yesterday, dude. Like, right.
1: So the montage was pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I think I think that that's how I took that anyways. Uh, all
2: right, Kyburn says that he's got a solution for the dragons. Yeah. And and you're thinking, you know, he's I mean, he's formidable, just and understated. You know, he's never gonna like boast about it, but he has this little sort of sadistic glee on his face. Like, yeah. And then we go down and we see the, you know, big scorpion.
1: And, and now we're like, is he going to re- is going to regenerate a dragon? Is he-?
2: Well, yeah, right. Yeah. You, you, I think initially that's what people were thinking. People were thinking like, well, Kyberd can bring back the mountain. Why can't he, like, bring back a zombie dragon or something like right. that? Right. Um, but so this kind of I, – and I think that the scorpion – is something of a callback to Joffrey's love for crossbows. Mm. And that was kind of Joffrey revealing himself to be the most, as I think, the most monstrous. Right. Uh, You know, that little sort of exchange between him and Marjorie back in the day when he was, you know, he just had this this little glee on his face about murder. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And uh, so I think that this is kind of, Cersei going full monster
1: mm-hmm. yeah so that was yeah super effective I really liked that a little bit I like the because that kind of goes back to when you talked to her last episode about um you know too powerful right like too mm-hmm. power is Arya too powerful it's like well she, she was kind of neutralized a little bit right because in if she was uh, no one like she was training to be. Right. You could make the argument she would be too powerful, but because she is Arya, that's her. Um, that might be the kryptonite. Is that she is still Arya, and going home now sort of changes mm-hmm. the trajectory.
2: Yeah, and, and on that her, same note, you you know the, the worry would be Danny's too powerful.
1: Yeah, now you. But have at the end of this episode, crossbow. it's like,
2: oh wow, this is actually going to be more of an even fight than we thought.
1: Right. Exactly. Because you. You know, you 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 need you get three good shots off, and Danny now, especially with the ship's gone, mm-hmm. it it doesn't look. You know, so that's the thing, right? You needed that. You needed a neutralization of some sort. Um, Cersei, and you know the White Walkers are too powerful, but we know that their weakness is just a matter. Yeah. Got to get that dragon glass.
2: All right, so I I just got this tiny little thrill hearing. John Sansa and Davos talk about Danny, and on the flip side here, you know Mel and Tyrion and Danny talk about John.
1: Yeah, that was good. Like these these little parallels are, are, I think, are are real fun.
2: Because you've been watching these characters for you know six seasons now. Yeah, and a little mention here and there, but Danny's never heard of John before. That's, That's just. That's what her reality has been. Of course, she's got she's had bigger fish to fish.
1: Yeah, and then I love the idea of like Tyrion coming back, and like Sansa being like, "Well, you know, eh, yeah, you can trust you can trust Tyrion, but don't mm-hmm. go." Like, there's mm-hmm. that. There's that. I love all that part of it, right? Because, and and I and I feel it's good because Tyrion's Tyrion's goodwill it helps, you know, and it ha and it, it echoes. And I think that that's good, and I think that that's right, and uh, and I and think you, that I that, think
2: you I, called this. So we, when we were talking about Tom's death, your take on this was this is going to be women in leadership all around, right? Mm-hmm. So John deciding to go south puts puts Sansa in charge of the north, right? So now you have Cersei in charge of King's Landing, you've got Danny in charge of the rebellion or whatever. You've got, you know, I mean, if you just think about her council, it's like Alaria and Yara and Lady Olenna, mm. and now you've got Sansa in charge of the North, right? So you kind of saw that coming,
1: and, yeah. And then presumably John is um, headed to uh, to bend the knee, or at least that's the, that's what.
2: That's what Danny wants.
1: So Danny wants, so then that, you know, kind of subjugates him even further.
2: Jamie is using Randall's xenophobia to persuade him. Mm-hmm. And th- I, I don't think I caught this the first time I watched this, but you know, that whole scene with Randall Tarly, and Sam, it really does play up the fact that he hates Gilly because she's she's a foreigner. Right? Sure. Yeah, that kinda helps out. Right, so she's not just she's like a savage in in his eyes, and so Jamie kind of susses out something about him and suggests that here Danny is back and she's got this army of savages. Right, so very you know very few scenes with that guy Randall Tarley, but I you know a very effective storytelling. You know, like what do I know about this guy? He's really stern. He hates Sam, and he just
1: he's just real xenophobic, right? Yeah. So,
2: very. I thought that was pretty
1: effective. Agreed. Yeah, that was good. And yeah, I mean, again, economy of time, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, a lot, a lot said.
2: New actor for Dickon Tarley. Do you miss the old Dickon, Steve?
1: Um, you know, we didn't really know that Dickon too well.
2: You're not pining for...
1: I'm not pining for the original.
2: (laughs) The original Dickon. (laughs) Did you recognize the actor who's the new Dickon?
1: Um, no.
2: I think he's best known for... Like, he's the main guy on Umbrella Academy. Okay. And uh, if you're not familiar with Umbrella Academy, he's got the head of a human and the body of a gorilla. Oh. Which I thought... That's not such a bad idea for this show. <laughs> <laughs> to have Dick and Dick and Tarly be half gorilla—that's not so bad. Now streaming only on Disney Plus.
0: My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras
2: Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's
0: record-breaking Eras Tour.
2: Swift Bierras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming, only on Disney Plus. Jason, I think you have one of my favorite podcasting voices.
0: Oh, that's really nice. You have a nice voice too. I, when well, I, I was for to myself, <laughs> no, I know, but I thought that when you first came on, but I thought it would be a little weird for that to be <laughs> one of the first things I said to you. Uh, but, uh, I actually, when I first heard myself, I, I, I think most podcasts probably say this, but I couldn't stand the sound of my voice. Yeah,
2: no, I, I think that's a pretty common experience, but yeah. I I think you have a very distinct voice. I feel like if listeners of this podcast, like jumped in in the middle, they'd be like, oh yeah, Jason's on. I, <laughs> I know that voice.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. I, Do you I, get I, that a lot? Uh, I, one thing that happened that was super funny one time is I was in my local comic book shop, and I started. I had a Walking Dead comic in my hand, and I was talking to the clerk about it. Uh-huh. And the guy behind me was like, "You do a podcast, right?" And so, I mean, I I think especially if someone right. heard me talking about the Walking sure. Dead, the context would they totally pick it up for sure. <laughs>
2: You're walking around parading around waving a Walking Dead comic. People would probably notice that it's you, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) All right, so Jason, we are about three years out from the start of Season 8 of Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah, it seems like it has not been that long ago that it ended. Uh-huh. It seems like it's been
2: about a year ago or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the things I was curious I, I kind of was it's hard to know when a retrospective is warranted on something that was important in my life. Like is is one year too too short of time, is three years yeah, too right. long and that kind of thing. And I guess I've been wondering whether because there's just tons of content, not just tons of content, but tons of really great content on all kinds of different screens these days. And I always wondered, like, well, Game of Thrones kind of fade into the wallpaper. Yeah. In sort of the cultural consciousness. So let me get your take on this. What is your sort of retrospective on the sea of content and the place that Game of Thrones occupies in that sea? I mean i
0: think game of thrones is one of the greatest shows ever made and so i mean there is so much content i was looking it up the most recent year i could find data on was 2019 where it said there was something like 519 scripted shows in existence right and (laughs) more than you know one day you could watch a new show every day of the year and still only be about halfway done um Uh And, uh, even, even with that, I I mean, I, I used to listen to a podcast about writers who were, uh, showrunners and Mm. the host would get different showrunners together and just talk TV. And it was really fascinating. And uh, every episode, no matter what showrunners they had on there, they would mention game of Thrones in revered tones. Like, you know, because they also create shows a lot of times it'd be like, Oh my God. Yeah. I could never even reach the heights of that show. And, um, So, but on the other hand, I think because of the way that it ended, which kind of didn't satisfy most people, and I have my own thoughts on that, which maybe don't exactly go with the general consensus, but um, I think it's tainted. And so I think if they had stuck the landing in a Mm -hmm. way that people felt was consistent with the earlier seasons it would be in this rarefied air like you mentioned in your notes to me is it more like 1977 star wars or 1989 batman i think it would be more like 1979 or 77 star wars if Hmm. it if it had really stuck the landing but since most people agree it didn't i don't think it's quite it, it, I think it lost a lot because of that. I think it will still be remembered for sure, but not in the way that it, it's not like the James Dean of shows, you know, where it's like this icon. I mean, it still is, but just yeah. you know, not as high up.
2: Let me ask know, what you, you this. Think? I, you know, I, it's, it's a great place to start. Were you ever a fan of breaking bad?
0: Oh yeah. That's one of my favorite shows. If not my favorite.
2: Yeah. I think it's probably in my maybe top 10 mm-hmm. shows I've ever watched. And um, and you can disagree with me on this, too, but I think that show stuck the landing, right?
0: I do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you could argue that it was maybe a little too nice of an ending, but I still felt very, very satisfied with it. So, yeah.
2: Well, let, yeah, let me put it this way, then. I don't feel like the end of the show seemed like a different, an altogether different series than the one I began no I feel like they were true to the theme they were they were true to a few of the key characters we had some really satisfying resolutions I mean you could quibble with a couple things but yeah I feel like they saw it through and ended well absolutely and I know and
0: because of that Breaking Bad has maintained its cachet in a way that Game of Thrones maybe hasn't
2: I see, that's where I think I was gonna say something different. I think I was gonna say something like Even with that, even though Breaking Bad stuck the landing, I have gone back and rewatched favorite episodes of Game of Thrones a number of times. I still feel a certain affection for some of the, you know, the massive ensemble cast. I, I, I just there's something about Game of Thrones that is still higher on my list than Breaking Bad, even knowing that Game of Thrones didn't stick the landing in the way that I would have hoped.
0: I mean, I think anyone who examines and analyzes these things and is really into it would... It's such an impressive show on many, many different levels. I I just think for the general public who doesn't think so deeply about it and is more just <laughs> sure. going by what their feeling is right. they might not feel that way but i i agree with you i think uh-huh. it's a more it's a more impressive show i don't know if that's exactly what you're saying but i
2: think well, it is well okay let's you said that you might have a kind of a diverging opinion and i wonder let me throw this idea at you mm. do you think that most people are dissatisfied with the ending or do you think it's just the vocal minority That's dissatisfied with the ending. Because the numbers of the show only ever went up, right? Yeah.
0: It's hard to know. Um, My experience of the show is filtered through episode-by-episode podcasting that I did at the end. We started with season five. Sure. And went from there. And um, the people that I was podcasting with, you know, we had several of us. We'd rotate in different people. Uh And some of them were just pissed off and really <laughs> deeply hurt by the whole thing. Oh no. <laughs> you know, like a life changing kind of a thing. Right. And, uh, and a couple of other of us loved it and thought, I mean, I personally think that the pacing is the major problem. And uh-huh. if they had, if it had been paced similarly to the rest of the series, yeah. you could have had the same things happen, but just more fleshed out it would have been amazing. It was amazing already, but that would have really stuck the landing. But uh, I don't know. I mean, how do you know what the non-vocal majority thinks?
2: That's right. Yeah, no, I think that that's... (laughs) I guess I'm asking that sort of rhetorically, and I guess I'm glad to hear that experience from you because if you really care for these people you're watching alongside, it's hard not to experience the show through their eyes right
0: yeah i mean for me as a podcaster i tend to like to take an opposing viewpoint occasionally so it was almost like that made me like it even a little bit more
2: (laughs) (laughs) a little contrarian a little
0: bit sometimes
2: (laughs) (laughs) i i will say this so aaron and i were trying to promote this book gods of thrones about the time that that uh, season eight came out. Yeah. And we are going to do one last promotional video or not video, but podcast about the book the night after the final episode season eight. And I remember walking in the bald move studio. It was just me and Aaron. And I said, Oh, he said, what would you think? And he was clearly, it was like, it was like someone had just killed his dog. He just was... <laughs> <laughs> he was so wounded. I felt oh. so bad. I wanted to give him a hug. Oh, he was so wounded. He's like, what did you think? And I i heard the words, I loved it, come out of my mouth. Mm. And I realized, like, oh, I, I did have trouble with it. Like, there was a lot of things I had trouble with. But in the in the end, I think I loved it. And... I mean, it was like it was like I was pouring salt in the wound. Yeah, <laughs> I, sh- I should have nuanced. I should have nuanced. it. But I will say, there was a lot that I did love about it. I mean, I Absolutely. think in, in retrospect, Absolutely. I can see a lot. I would have, man, I would have done a few, a few things very differently than what they did. Mm-hmm. But there was just so much I loved about it, and, and I, and I really feel something of a divided mind. About this, uh, about about season eight in particular, I don't know. It's it's hard not to think if I had not been watching with a second screen, or if I had not been watching while I was also listening to podcasts, or if I had not been watching watching while I was also looking at social media, I wouldn't have nearly the amount of nits to pick about that show mm-hmm. that I ultimately did. And yet there's part of me that thinks... But that actually... All of those things all, also enhanced my enjoyment of certain parts yeah. of the show, right?
0: I mean, you think back, you know, Happy Days or... I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> to think of an earlier show <laughs> that we all fell in love with. MASH, uh-huh. you know, I don't uh-huh. know. Had had nitpicking social media around it, it would have been a whole different experience of the show and maybe maybe not as good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about that. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like my and i don't know if you if you remember but wait hold segments. on hold on though yeah yeah
0: i think even if if there was no social media around game of thrones a lot of people would have been shocked by what daenerys did in a way where they did not agree with the show going in that direction mm. even without the social media i think they would have been hurt by that mm. That's my gut feeling about it. I'm not saying I was, but I'm just Mm -hmm. saying I think a lot of people would have.
2: No, I think you're you're right about that. And for me, I kind of saw Daenerys turning at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, that was the question. Like, which way would that Targaryen coin flip land Uh for Daenerys? That was the question, right? So you had to, if you're going to ask the question, you got to be ready that the answer might not be what you like.
2: Right. Yeah, for me it was always. I always kind of thought, no, this she's a Targaryen. History repeats itself. There is going. That's what. That's one of the things that these stories do. It, mm-hmm. it tells you a story from twenty years ago, and and then the consequences of that story are going to play out twenty years from now. Um, I thought she's a Targaryen. She's trying to conquer with dragons. This is going to go badly. <laughs> it's amazing that everyone has fallen in love with this character who I'm pretty sure is going to be the villain in the end. Right. That's interesting. And see, and
0: yeah, you know, I hear, I listened to your, uh, most recent episode, part of it anyway. Uh-huh. And, um, you guys were talking about whether, uh, the casting of, um, uh, what's her name? Emily.
2: Oh, Emil uh, uh, Clark. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Emily Clark. And, um, maybe she was too charming for the part, but I, but I think it was great because the show gave us like you always ask, you think about tyrants in history, how could they have had such a passionate and loyal following Uh when they're such a horrible person? We got the emotional experience of that. So I think that was brilliant. You know, I mean, people were so on her side, most people Mm. and wanting her to succeed. And, but the seeds were always planted of what was going to happen. She was going to kill with fire and blood and burn cities to the ground from season one. (laughs)
2: well that's right you know martin can play with this sort of thing and and he kind of shows that he does this throughout he'll create a villain like theon right Hmm. just villainous villainy coming out of this guy douche (laughs) (laughs) and then all of a sudden he'll give you like something will turn and you'll start to feel empathy for a person that you never thought you'd feel empathy for, right? Love that. Or Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister, mm-hmm. like first episode, this guy tried to murder a child. <laughs> right? To keep a secret. He this guy so saying, that he
0: could go sleep with his sister. Yes, that's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he has he looks he just looks like a bad guy. He is a bad guy. Everything I know about storytelling is that this is your bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And within, what, four or five episodes, I've, I'm have i really interested in this guy. And within four or five season, I've fallen in love with him. It's a really amazing trick. I love it. Yeah. And so it's kind of, you know, I don't, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that we should have been so surprised that Emile Clark could turn into the bad guy at some point. Um, But I so I wonder a little bit, like, would it have been possible to have her do what she did? But in the end, sort of recapture the empathy that we had in the beginning, I think that it would have required maybe another season. And they were certain they just were not willing to do that. Right. I
0: I, I, even to get to that point, like even though she laid, even though I, I do believe all the seeds were laid for that just the fact that she had succeeded in her mission and then chose to go around and burn the inhabitants of King's Landing, really, you really needed to... Like, I I always think the perfect ending for anything is surprising in the moment, but then feels inevitable once you think about it. Mm-hmm. That's just the great kind of ending. And to me, it was surprising, but I don't Which, think it let's quite...
2: Be, let's be honest. Can you imagine how difficult that kind of thing is when you have the number of viewers that game of throne had
0: yeah millions yeah I, I, I just think they if they had taken more time to get her to that i mean i know they wanted it to be a surprise so it's very tricky but they did you know they had her talking about how you need to either rule by love or by fear mm-hmm. and then in another scene saying um the people of King's Landing don't love me. And she was frustrated by that. And I, mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of what was at the core of why she did that mm-hmm. to rule by fear over these people who don't love her. And yet still it felt like, what why is she doing that instead of <laughs> oh wow she really did it you know and if you if they could have had her the audience have more of that feeling like oh my god okay she actually did it mm-hmm. versus what the fuck then um right. i think it would have been better somehow i don't know how to do that i'm not a writer but
2: right no <laughs> yeah. and i think that i mean jamie is a great example of this because it's like Okay, so what you know, the, the guiding motivation for Jamie is well, I guess you could say it's two. It's like to be the 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 best artist with the sword who ever lived, right? Hmm. But to be devoted, faithful, and in love with Cersei, right? Right. And in both of those ways, I don't think they ever betrayed his character. So even no. if he started doing things driven by those motives that made him seem heroic at times they were still true to the motives of that character. That's
0: another storyline that I think a lot of people were dissatisfied with, that he went back to Cersei. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was great. Because, I mean, it's the kind of mistake that you people make with game of thrones, starting with Ned Stark, you try to plug them into the typical heroic arc and it felt like, okay, he's uh, Jamie's overcome his flaws and has become this shining knight, but no, he's a human being who's in love with his person. And that's more important than anything to him. And he stayed true to that in the end, even though Uh we all hate her and wish she'd stay with Brian. Who's awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. know if you can kind of compartmentalize your experience of that decade of Game of Thrones. But for me, I kind of feel like there was that kind of the aha moment of Game of Thrones. Like, I didn't have the experience of reading the books before I watched the show. And so that first episode for me just felt like, it felt like a revelation. It just felt like, I can't believe I get to watch this. (laughs) And then it became sort of this online sensation, in, you know, which included podcasts and Reddit and all of these things for me that sort of bespoke seasons two to five. Okay. And then, and, and right now on this podcast, we're sort of doing a rewatch of season six right now. And I mm. felt like, Season six, it kind of ascended to a new level. Like I'd be at the Giants game and like Hunter Pence would walk, his walk-up music was Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It was everywhere. Yeah.
0: It was at a time culturally where if you weren't watching it, most likely it was an obstinate choice. Like yeah, if you gonna... weren't watching it, you were
2: sort of left out of a number of conversations. Yeah. Right. And it, it kind of became at that point, it became something that a very, very few shows have ever ascended to. Right. It's sort of at mm-hmm. the, the peak of its power. I show. would say yeah. it was the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And it would be, th- it would be something like, you know, in the same way that men of my age will often refer to lines from the godfather or star wars or something like that mm-hmm. it became one of these things where people would start comparing themselves or claiming characters she's you know she's my character that kind of thing <laughs>
0: um
2: or you know wearing t-shirts i drink a no thing it, it just became this massive cultural phenomenon
0: i mean right now i'm drinking house baratheon royal Lochnagar.
2: that's awesome (laughs) all right so then the inexplicably the show just took a different tone and so i think i think some of the pacing issue that you mentioned before the season seven and eight Mm -hmm. um i think that it started to feel different it started to feel like A rush to the end Uh, in fact even the even the episodes started to to be different like the seasons were a different length and the episodes were a little bit longer and
0: it felt too I mean even in some ways going back to season five although sometimes I wonder if I noticed that more just because that's when I started doing episodic podcasting but less sophisticated and a little more um a little ham-fisted sometimes in in the storytelling, like Sometimes. a lot of emotional setups that were there, clearly just for some payoff, and so I found. Yeah, what do you have in mind? Like, what would be
2: an example of, of one of the something that?
0: <laughs> like in season five, you have Shireen and Stannis Baratheon at Castle Black, and he's mostly treated her like dirt throughout the rest of the show. But they have this really touching scene where she asks if he's ashamed of her, and he says. He tells her the story of how everyone told him to send her off to the stone, live Uh out the rest of her days with the stone men. But no, he hired experts to come and try to cure her and arrest the spread of grayscale because you're the princess and you're my daughter. It was such a moving moment. and, And they hugged and I was full of tears. And then when he then chose to have her burned at the stake a few episodes later, I felt like, wait. I think that moment was just in service of this moment. Versus, and maybe I'm being picky, Mm. but it just felt kind of emotionally manipulative to me. And things like that happen in TV all the time. But maybe I'm maybe I'm missing it. I need to Uh go back and do a rewatch myself. But it felt like Game of Thrones was more sophisticated than that. (laughs) Interesting. I don't know.
2: (laughs) That's funny. I was just rewatching Hard Home um, the other day, and there's this moment where this wildling woman who we just met that episode is like trying to get people out to the ships and away from the the oncoming zombie apocalypse or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And she says goodbye to her children and she says I'll be right back. And immediately I thought, of course. You're uh, dead. Y- you're dead. <laughs> this is how this is w- the way it goes in television shows. Mm-hmm. If, if there's right. someone that you care about and you you know, you need to sort of create a sense of empathy for that person. You're going to send their children away and have the person say, I'll be right back. And I kind of felt like, of course, that's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about. For, but for some reason, that worked for me in that episode.
0: And maybe the whole series is full of that, but I, I uh-huh. don't think so. I think it started happening more as they started get getting past the books and needed to sort of rely on their own devices interesting
2: I think um so yeah no that's that's a good so for you the show must have taken a taken on a huge shift at season five because that's when you started covering it right
0: it did and <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, we, we did uh, occasional episodes uh, talking about a, a full season, you know, mm-hmm. so we were already into it, but then we're like, Hey, let's just do a full one podcast where we cover every episode. And then I felt like, wow, season five seems especially hard to talk about. Hmm. And I think I put my foot in my mouth a couple of times because of the sensitive subject matter, you know, <laughs> it <course>. was rough. <laughs>
2: of course. <laughs> no, it, 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 it absolutely. That season was rough. Yeah. Um, And I do feel like there was a certain, So you jumped into the podcasting right then I was Pretty still much. sort of I was able to still sort of just Let it wash over me and experience mm-hmm. it Um, But then you also jumped into the controversy Because that was yeah. The show got c- controversial in a way That it hadn't been around season five Yeah,
0: I would say definitely
2: which probably doesn't hurt for a podcaster, but then you got to be super careful about
0: it. Yeah. I mean, the way in particular that we talked about, uh, you know, Sansa's quote unquote wedding night Mm -hmm. with Ramsey was clumsy to put it kindly. And so then in the next episode, I made sure that we asked two women to host that one. And I came on and, apologized for my clumsiness and Mm -hmm. had them take over
2: you know and um and credit to you I mean credit uh, really credit to you for recognizing it and then getting out of the way
0: (laughs) yeah I mean thank you because a lot of people
2: would double down on that right
0: exactly yeah and um yeah And I didn't want to do that. I want, I want to be sensitive and I, I, I'm grateful for the feedback from our listeners and everything. And, and I've totally grown from being a podcaster. You know, I think being a podcaster will show you your flaws as a Mm -hmm. person, especially if you have a lot of engagement with your audience, which I love to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it was fascinating to talk about that, but it was also, it was hard to not just that moment either. Just season five was hard in particular, but on the other hand, I think one of the, best things about game of thrones is how nasty a show it can be
2: well it's it's true and uh you know the showrunners made a few mistakes specifically around rape that it's, yeah that i that i i would never liked but i will say this that um that the show the show was able to bring us to moments glimmers of hope in a way because the default position was so dark to begin with, right? So we real, so for instance, we really did rejoice with the heroism of Arya. Yeah, that was done at the expense of a horrible things happening to Arya throughout, right? Mm-hmm. We watched her go from you know out of the frying pan into the fire over and over and over again, and tragically become a you know a super assassin. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, this is not something to celebrate in a little yeah. girl at all, right. but it's for our entertainment. And we kind of reveled in both the laments and, and the victories in her story. And she became, you know, a lot of people's favorite character, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite character for, for sure. Mm-hmm. And the only way to, the only way that that story works is if the darkness around her is believable and that's something that set this show for me set this show apart
0: yeah i agree i mean that's what elevates this show above the kind of show where you expect the hero to only grow in a positive direction and be Mm -hmm. a shining knight at the end because this show is more about human truth in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. i think and that's what i love about a good story is when it gets at human truth and there's There's vanity and there's greed and there's uh, stupidity and all kinds of things about humans that cause conflict that happen Mm -hmm. in this show that feel like they're based in some root of truth about the way people can be.
2: Right. And, you know, loosely a recasting of a few moments in human history. Mm -hmm. You know, even if the outcomes are fantastic. Um, The premises are, are borrowed, you know, the premise George was constantly borrowing premises.
0: And that was kind of the point, right? Like him being like, I'm a student of history and this is how it usually goes. (laughs) Hey, I want to
2: ask you, like, I don't know if you've thought about what made the show special in your mind. I mean, I guess you could, you don't have to be super reflective. You could say it was the right show at the right time. And, uh, you know, it, it broke some ground in a number of ways. Or I don't know if there if there's anything specific about it when you think back to it and be like, this is what made that show special.
0: Well, a lot of the things that we've been talking about, um, you know, just how cruel the show could be. But having really the Starks at its heart, who are these good people that we were rooting for the whole time and trying to navigate their way through it you know Sansa and Arya and John and Ned at first Rob and some of them failing but I mean if they had all died then it probably wouldn't have been too much (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so some of them made it through and so just having that that good heart that good core but but having the kind of things like so awful! What happened to Shireen being burned? Mm-hmm. Gregor Clegane gouging Oberon's eyes out. Um, I mean, starting with with uh, Bran. What happened to him with and Jamie in the first episode, and then Ned. I mean, what happened to Ned? Really, just was like, okay, this is not like other shows. It's yeah. not what I thought. And then Arya feeding Walter Frey to his his own family <laughs> in a pie. I mean that was a joyous <laughs> moment, but it's dark as hell. Yeah. And, you know, Danny at King's Landing. I mean, it's so dark and and cruel and and I, I the nasty is the word that I call just a nasty kind of a show mm-hmm. that somehow was so freaking captivating. <laughs> that was part of it. That's not the only thing. I mean, yeah. also there's, there's the spectacle of it that just got more and more amazing over the years with Miguel Sapochnik directing right. these amazing episodes, just some of the best TV ever shown, I would say.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I almost, I think almost if you were going to rewind even like 15 years before the show started. So instead of 2010, let's say it was 95 or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You absolutely wouldn't have the special effects, I don't think. Right. Mm -mm. and And You didn't even have it in the early seasons. Sure. (laughs) Right. And then if you were to fast forward even 10 years or so, I feel like the internet took a turn just in the last 10 years. That makes it really hard to have a show with that you know sort of a universally loved show I don't know do you think that you think that much has changed or maybe I've just changed
0: no I've often felt like maybe Game of Thrones is the last like unifying show you know and even Game of Thrones I mean if you look at the numbers MASH what had like 50 million people or something watching the finale and Game of Thrones was what it was it around 17 million or something
2: and that was even a low number because just think of the amount of people that were you know watching the show illegally or borrowing a friend's. yeah
0: it's just the there I I don't know part of it is just as simple as there are so many more shows now that Mm. and 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 it's the culture the internet yeah yeah I think you're getting at is the internet has kind of fractured the culture. We've all found our bubbles. And so it's hard, harder for us to all come together on any single thing. Right.
2: Yeah. I, I don't want to make too hard of a case on this, but I do think that there was yeah. something about the moment in time for, yeah. for game of Thrones that made it a perfect show for that particular time.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I don't I know agree.
2: exactly the elements that went into it. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think it was a it was a kick ass show that came along when we were all still watching HBO. You know, <laughs> like when we could all still. I mean, it's not that simple, but there is something to it. Just that there's there's twice as many shows now that there were when um, right. Game of Thrones premiered in 2011, and it's only growing. So it's harder, and and I swear, almost every single day. I hear about a new show that I'd never heard about before. And often they're in like their third season or something. (laughs) What Kevin Costner. I mean, Yellowstone's getting big now, but I remember when I first heard about that it was on season three. I was like, what? And, uh, Uh it's crazy. Like you can't like TV critics. They can't even, there's not enough time for them to cover all the Uh shows anymore. So that's part of it.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about a couple of things that sort of make it stand out for me. And I think part of it, let me me just give you an example here. So, Aaron and Jim were doing this really sort of heavy cover uh, coverage of the Expanse, mm-hmm. um, which was a great show.
0: I haven't seen it. I should watch it. Yeah, see, there I you go. It. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's a really great show, um, and yet, I think that they would often say something like, "It's it's sort of like Game of Thrones in space," right? Mm-hmm. And I kind of knew what they meant when they said that. And yet, I thought, you know what makes for me what makes it different is like Tywin Lannister. It's like Tywin Lannister. For my money, might be the most compelling villain I've ever seen on any screen.
0: Hmm.
2: And I, you know, up up with, you know, Hal, up with <laughs> Darth Vader, mm-hmm. up with you know, you could just you know, you could name a few Hannibal Lecter, or whatever tywin lannister was just such a compelling villain and so intricately connected with Tyrion, who's one of the most complex characters i've ever seen on a screen mm-hmm. and you know connected with cersei and connected with jamie and all of that business and if you think about it if you were going to name like the top 10 like the main characters tywin may not even be on the top 10 list (laughs) you know you'd have to go through like the stark children and you talk about sean bean and you talk about emil clark Mm -hmm. you talk about you know Tyrion lannister and by the time you got to tywin lannister you're like oh yeah also charles dance was in this (laughs) and they did so many things with like that where it's like this character is absolutely a b-plot character and he is just as amazing as any I was just re-listening to the sort of the Jason Momoa speech yeah (laughs) like Jason Momoa Jason Momoa didn't even make it through the end of season one Jason Momoa was amazing in this so I guess I'm making a, a kind of a simple point it's just that the secondary actors in Game of Thrones were among the best I've ever seen on television
0: oh yeah Pedro Pascal is one that stands out for me yeah so Yes, absolutely, yes, yes. So many great characters with with great actors behind them for sure.
2: So if it was just about like the shocking moment. Incredible. You know, if it was just about Ned's beheading or the red wedding or whatever. Um, you know, that those are things that actually will bring eyeballs. Yeah. But in order to bring the plot to life, you absolutely need a character like Tywin Lannister or a character like Lady Elena. You know, a character like yeah. that, where you just feel like every time that they're on the screen, you can't take your eyes off that person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the writing is incredible and you know, it goes back to what I'm saying about human truths that a part of the reason why these characters are so captivating is because they feel real mm. and they feel complicated. Like you can root for them at times and other times they're despicable, you know? <laughs> I mean, even, even Joffrey, you might feel sorry for him uh, at times. I mean, not much, but <laughs> you know, you can at least recognize some of your pettiest impulses taken to the extreme in what he does. Like, uh,
2: it just well yeah, yeah yeah we were talking about villain, heroes and villains right so think about Tyrion's character arc Tyrion Lannister yeah. kills Shay he murders Shay he strangles his lover <laughs> and two two episodes later we're like rooting for Tyrion again it's 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 but <laughs> yeah. it it just I almost feel I'll, I'll be honest I was saying it just now. I feel a little bit guilty about it. Right,
0: I I do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, most of the characters did something like that. Not quite that bad, but sure. I think everyone did something that that you wouldn't approve of necessarily. You know, right?
2: Yeah. (laughs) No, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So, all right. So I was I was just wondering if you'd be interested in doing a little anticipating house of the dragon talk with me sure yeah are you planning on covering the show
0: we will be covering it as a network i think that i will be guesting on an episode here and there but i'm i don't know if i'm going to be covering it regularly
2: okay all right does that would that do you think that that will enhance your experience or do you feel like you like do you have certainly there's less pressure in the viewing experience
0: yeah yeah actually um This is, yeah, it was, I kind of just have been going on impulse while planning how we're going to tackle that and haven't really thought too much of why. But now that you're asking me, um, I think it was, I really, uh, it sounds, I don't know, um, (laughs) like self-important or something. I don't know. But to podcast on Game of Thrones is quite an endeavor and it takes a lot of work to do it justice Mm. and it's, it's an emotional experience and i just feel like i want to be able to more sit back and appreciate it hmm. yeah some yeah
2: well certainly certainly so i i would i would hope that for everyone listening too so i've come up with a couple bits of advice a travel guide if you will the 3 key steps on how to appreciate house of the dragon excellent and i w- i want to run this past you and i want to hear your reaction And uh, push back if you need to or add things that occur to you as I'm giving you my tourist book. Good. All right? (laughs) So think of me as a docent for the next five minutes. Excellent. Okay. Here is my advice. If you are listening and you would like to enjoy House of the Dragon, my first bit of advice is that you should not expect the show to be the best show you've ever seen i think that's reasonable right
0: i mean for me that is a key mindset to go into anything because i've learned that my expectations can completely color how i'm going to find something if i've heard like with eternals for example it got a lot of middling reviews Mm -hmm. and i liked it but if it had been hyped up I probably wouldn't have liked it. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's almost like a little bit like, oh, wow, really? That's how much it influences you. But yeah, I couldn't agree with you more if you just kind of don't have your expectations up too high.
2: If your expectation for anything is, unless this is the best thing I've ever experienced, I'm going to be disappointed. It's a failure. It's there's no, It has no chance of succeeding, right? Yeah.
0: But on uh, having said all that, with Miguel Sapochnik at the helm, uh-huh. I can't help. But be excited for the spectacle that we're gonna have.
2: <laughs> I just can't help it. Of course, of course. And I mean, and look, Game of Thrones is my favorite show. It's it's one of the best mm. shows that's ever been on television by any by any standard. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that I should walk into House of the Dragon expecting that it should elevate to those heights. For instance, I could kind of almost prophesy this, that someone will come away or let's say five million people will come away and say, I liked it. You know, it's not as good as Game of Thrones season four, you know, <laughs> right. which to me, I feel like this is a non-statement. Don't what, what? You know, it's like it's like coming out of a concert and saying, you know what? It's fine. He's no Mozart. It's like, come on, <laughs> we have yeah. to have a different standard for this sort of thing. So yeah, so that that's my advice. I'm not saying mm-hmm. having low expectations, Jason. I'm saying don't expect it to be the best thing you've ever seen. All right. So that's yeah, that's advice number one. Good. So we're we're on the same page. We, we like we like that.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I I yeah. I wouldn't suggest anything else uh-huh. other than what you said for sure. Okay. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Exactly. Otherwise, yeah.
2: Okay. All right. This is going to be a harder one. All right. So here. And then if it is
0: the greatest thing ever, we'll be. Then really you're happy.
2: happily surprised, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's my second bit of advice. And maybe this is more controversial. I would recommend. Take cocaine before you watch it, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. Right>. Yes. <laughs> At least a gummy. Just just one <laughs> right, gummy. Right.
0: For maybe not a bad idea. <laughs>
2: um, I here my my second bit of advice is that if you want to enjoy it, you probably should staff social media. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like for me, if I sit down and enjoy an episode, I wanna put away my phone, I just wanna watch the episode, and maybe don't check Reddit that night. You know, maybe mm-hmm. don't, maybe let don't it settle. Yes. Let it settle. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Let it, you know, it's, it's like, it's like tasting the soup too early. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, let the soup do what the soup needs to do. If, it, if you immediately jump online, I guarantee you, there's, you're going to find a hundred people that, that found things to hate about the episode.
0: Yeah, this you're reminding me of an experience I had recently Because another show that we cover is Lock and Key on Netflix Oh, okay And um we, since Netflix puts out all its episodes at once for a season Right But we're covering it weekly We don't look at any social media or news or anything Because we don't want to be spoiled mm. And so we had our own experience of that show And we liked it a lot And then I went back and read a lot of complaints that I had missed during the watching, you know, Mm -hmm. and it started to make, oh yeah, they're right about some of that stuff. But, um, I got to have the experience of appreciating the show before it was tainted with all of that, you know, on my own terms, it was just for me during that time. And I think I liked it more, even though I did eventually read the complaints because of that experience, I liked it more than I would have otherwise.
2: Right, 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 right. Mm All right, my third bit of advice, and then we will wrap up here. Mm. My third bit of advice is, and I this is the same advice that I would give to someone that's like visiting Paris for the first time or visiting some historic city for the first time, is that don't experience the guidebook. Like, you're going to, there are going to be people anticipating the next week, and they're going to tell you what you're going to experience, just by guessing or because that they mm-hmm. read the book or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not how you experience Paris. You don't go to Paris thinking, all right, now this is how the guidebook told me to feel about the Mona Lisa. No, the, the guidebook might help you get to the museum, but once you're at the museum, put the guidebook away. Try to use the guidebook as little as possible. Don't try to anticipate your experience by measuring what other people are saying. That, that is my – and that could be like stay away from the source material or stay away from spoilers or whatever, uh, which you know a lot of people try to do anyway. But I guess what I'm saying is more than that. What I'm saying is just because someone else feels a particular way or, or other people anticipate that you might feel a particular way – It shouldn't determine your experience. That's my third bit of advice.
0: So the guidebook ends on the advice of ignoring guidebooks. Yes. During the watching of the show. Um, Yeah, I can see that. I mean, as a podcaster, I've, it's funny, I've actually, um, (laughs) with with Jim and Aaron, you know, we both podcast on The Walking Dead. Yeah. And they come, uh, like Jim's come to me and be like, how can you stand up for this? It's crap <laughs> <laughs> at certain points, right? Yeah. Like you're not doing your job, Jason. And I'm like, I think we come at it a little differently sometimes. Like uh-huh. my, you, I try, what I try to do, our, our sort of, you know, mission is to enhance the experience of this thing that we're all that we're all fans of. Whereas I think more Jim and Aaron sometimes are critics, you know, and that's cool. Like people, people love that, Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. but it's different. And so um, I, I imagine with house of the dragon, we are, we, we will be pointing out some things that maybe we don't like so much, but for the most part, we'll just be celebrating it, you know, and, trying to enhance it and so i think that can be really fun for people but at the same time it can shape their opinion in a way that it may Mm -hmm. not have been shaped before and that's also i think what you're getting at too to have the experience for yourself right
2: absolutely that's right and i think i i do really appreciate podcasts that will not just be cheerleaders for the show right yeah and i think sometimes you need to say yeah that didn't work for me or whatever but um like, for instance, I do this other podcast with a, a, a comic friend of mine who lives, actually lives in your area. You could go see him at the Punchline in San Francisco if ever you were interested. His name is Steve Osborne, and we do this uh, show, Cocoons of Horror. And mm. oftentimes we will cover a really bad movie. Like, we will, we'll like, look at Pet Cemetery, <laughs> And it's just a different kind of experience. And for me, it's no less fun. I'm not angry, necessarily. Yeah. I'm not angry. I just it's a different way to approach it. And I kind of feel like it requires just a little bit more detachment. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like you you might enjoy House of the Dragon more if you're a little bit less attached?
0: Yeah, I am less attached. By the way, I. I haven't read the books, Game of Thrones, The Song of Ice and Fire, or Fire and Blood. And um, I'm a huge fan of the show, but I'm not a super fan. Like, I wouldn't put it at the top of my list like it is of yours. It's in the top five. Okay,
2: though. good. So, so no, that that's, that's great to hear that. So, I mean, but hi, top five is pretty high.
0: It is high. It is high. Maybe top ten, but, yeah, top ten for sure, but uh-huh. maybe top five, yeah. It is high still, but um, I don't know. I, I guess House of the Dragon. I don't feel as strongly about. I'm definitely intrigued. I'm uh, I'm uh, pulling for it to do really well. Matt Smith is a favorite of mine, as are a few of the other actors. I think they picked the right showrunners. Hopefully. Um, uh-huh. but I don't know. I feel like I had the game of Thrones experience, so I'm not clamoring for more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not like, like I said, I'm not going to be podcasting yeah. on it episode by episode. Sure. So I think it'll be easy to appreciate if it's good. I I'm not like, um, really, really super wrapped up in it.
2: You know, I feel the, the same <laughs> way about, um, the, the rings of power thing that's going to be coming out. Yeah, Like, I feel like, like for me, Lord of the Rings is sort of top five book. Uh, mm-hmm. Series in in my experience, I'm absolutely less invested in Rings of Power. I know what I'm getting into. This was not written by the greatest fantasy author in the history of fantasy authors. This is an Amazon <laughs> Prime show,
0: mm-hmm. and I'm based on some back matter.
2: I'm absolutely gonna enjoy <laughs> it. I'm not, but my expectations are are a little bit lower, and I'm a little bit more detached to the material. Right, and I think it will absolutely enhance my experience.
0: I get the feeling that those three points that you gave are things that you've been telling yourself about house of the dragon.
2: It's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and I will continue to tell myself that over and over and over. And when I get too invested and I cry myself to sleep, I will, I will tell myself the same things over. You'll
0: post on Reddit and then go to sleep. <laughs>